From Mamma Mia, welcome to The Spill, your snackable daily podcast where we talk about everything entertainment every day. Hi, I'm Laura Brodnick and I'm Mamma Mia's entertainment editor. And I'm Key Reese. I work at Mamma Mia's influencer agency called Social Squad and we've got a jam-packed episode today. On the show today, the American Music Awards are meant to celebrate iconic artists. So why was there so much drama behind the scenes? Just the fact that like the last year of my life has had some of the most amazing times and also some of the just like hardest things I've gone through in my life. And Spice Girl Melanie B has completed a world tour this year. So why is she struggling to find work? But to kick off the show today, in the biggest will she, won't she, Taylor Swift finally took to the stage yesterday at the AMAs for her Artist of the Decade performance. We spoke about this last week um, with that feud going on with her ex-record label, Big Machine Records. And it turns out she did. She took to the stage, did a medley of her greatest hits dating back to Fearless. Laura, did you see the performance? I did. I thought there was quite a few. I mean, we kind of knew she was going to perform because Scooter Braun, who's obviously been at the centre of this whole debacle around who owns her music, put out a public letter to her just a few days going into the American Music Awards saying that she was legally allowed to perform all the songs. So there wasn't really a question mark over that. But also saying that he'd had so many death threats towards his family over this performance that he was kind of urging her to speak out about it. But she did end up doing that. Yeah, I think she had too much to focus on on all these rehearsals. Well, I loved the performance. And if I had one word to sum it up, I would say symbolism, which is obviously very T-Swift. So she started off the set emerging with this white shirt on with all of, um, you know, the names of her albums all over it. And she sang The Man, which is a track off her new album, which covers the double standards in the in, in life, really, and what it would be like and the things she'd be able to get away with if she was a man. With the group of young girls like dancing along with her. I thought that was so cute. Oh, see, a lot of people have read a much darker meaning into that. What? They're saying that even though that was written before the whole Big Machines record debacle happened, they're saying that she picked that song as her opener because obviously it's not one oh, of her Oh, for sure. That's hits. what I mean. That yeah. She, yeah, that she picked it as a kind of a direct stab to Scooter and Scott. Oh, massively. A, yeah, which is, I mean, it's kind of a shady thing to do to kick off the show with, but, you know, that's fine. I live for that shade. Anyway, she do. ripped it off and then took it all the way back to the 2008 anthem Love Story, and it was giving me old-school Taylor vibes, like when I saw her at a relief concert when she had that, like, long curly hair. I was just, like, loving it. A little bit of country in there. And she didn't end up being the big winner of the night. She actually beat out Michael Jackson, and she's now the most awarded American music star um, of all time. Of all time? Of all time, yeah, she's got now more than Michael Jackson. Oh, okay, yeah, That's that makes sense. That's the stats sense. that have come out <laughs> from like, the award show, yes. Well, she. I think the highlight for most people and what really got people out of their seats was when she brought on two powerhouses, which was Camila Cabello and Halsey, who joined her to sing Shake It Off. She wrapped the medley with an emotional performance of Lover, which I loved. She sat at a piano and it had all of the names of her seven albums on there. And then Misty Copeland, who was a famous black American ballet dancer, was dancing along beside her. And I just thought it was a perfect way to end the set. Yeah. And setting aside all, like, as we're saying, the kind of infighting that led into it and the shadiness and that sort of thing that she's unfortunately become known for, her actual acceptance speech, where she talked about the power of artists and why she was standing there and the effect that her parents 
love of music had had on her. And then it panned to her mum sitting in the audience who started crying, which is really emotional because obviously Taylor hasn't, hasn't spoken about it too much. We do know her mum's been fighting cancer for a very long time. And so to see her daughter up on stage talking about the fact that her mum used to play records and from Carol King, who presented her the award, I thought was just like a really beautiful loop. And it even brought like a bit of a tear to my cold, dead heart. So for me, that was like the standout moment from the award show. But it wasn't only Taylor Swift at the AMAs yesterday. Obviously, it's a massive event, the biggest fan voted award show. So we're going to go through a few of our favourite moments. And to kick it off, my first one, Halsey, who won for favourite song pop rock for Without Me has had a few things to say in her acceptance speech. So uh, last week we covered the Grammy nominations and Halsey actually missed out on one and was quite vocal around that time and commenting on BTS, a famous Korean band um, pop group, I should say, being left off the list and had a few things to say about it. But she really took her acceptance speech to kind of throw some shade at the Grammys way. Most of these awards really aren't what they seem at all. But that's okay because I'm up here right now and I am so thankful to the AMAs because they are the world's largest fan-voted award show. And I'm thankful to the fans because they're the people who really give a shit about music. And I'm thankful to the AMAs for giving those people a voice. You know, I'm gonna keep making music for them and for us. Sometimes you grow up and the stuff that you believed in starts to lose its magic, but music never does because real fans, real artists, and real stories keep that magic alive. Thank you. I also loved how when Taylor Swift came on to collect one of her many other ones that she collected on the night, she said, I can't even do my speech now because Halsey's speech was so good. And I think that's definitely a little bit more shade because obviously Taylor missed out on quite a lot of Grammy noms too. So the shade was just so shady last night. It, it, look, it was pretty bad. It made me just looking at it too intently. So let's move on to a really joyous moment Ooh, where yes. there was no shade at all, which was just the existence of Lizzo at the event. Oh. So obviously when she came on to the red carpet and she was wearing that, um, she's wearing a Valentino dress with like beautiful frills. It was so But that's cute. not what everyone was looking at. What everyone was looking at and the <laughs> thing that spawned a thousand memes was the tiny, the size of my fingernail purse that she was carrying, also from Valentino. It was so good. I think producer Hannah was like losing it yesterday. She was like, I've got to do a meme because it was so funny, this tiny, tiny little handbag. I think the caption she said was something about like, bag that holds all the fucks that I give, which I just thought, yes, Lizzo. Well, when people were asking her, like, what is possibly in that thing that looks like a, you know, um, cotton wool ball or something like that's the size of it. And she's like, oh, I've got tampons in there. I've got a flask of tequila. I've got condoms. She's like, everything I'll need for the night all in this bag, which is obviously a lie unless she's some sort of Lizzo style Mary Poppins where it's just kind of all jammed into the bag. So that was probably the biggest moment from the red carpet. But then she got up to sing her new song, Jerome. And obviously that kind of blew the roof off the place. Like everyone was upstanding and she's like kind of talked afterwards how the fact that she, the only reason she got there is because she, you know, before she kind of hit her stride, she said, you know, I wasn't selling any tickets. I was out of money. And I just thought to myself, I need to keep going. And that's what was going through her mind as she was singing on stage, which is just oh a beautiful. God. I feel like every time she gets on stage, it's just, I know I sound like such a basic bitch saying this, but every time she gets on stage, it's just such a 
transformative performance, I would say. Yeah, I agree. But the saddest thing is that she didn't actually come home with any awards. Yeah, that's true. But it was a very crowded market this year. And we've got to think, like, even though she has been around for such a long time, the fact that she's only just broken into this kind of mainstream and this top tier of awards show now means that she's going to be around for years and years. So I think next year will be her year. Once Taylor Swift's moment has kind of passed, it will be her year to kind of take up that mantle. Yeah, it's kind of hard to compete, I guess, with T-Swift coming back with all of that stuff going on. My other favourite moment was Lil Nas X collecting the gong, the gong, I sound so old, for favourite song rap slash hip hop, which was for his track Old Town Road, which Billy Ray Cyrus, obviously Achy Breaky Heart and also Miley's dad, jumped on. So we covered the drama around this um, song in an early episode that we did about how originally when the track came out, it was charting really highly on the country chart, but then finding out that they were like, oh, it's not country enough, have to take it off. So I felt like this win was really defiant and the song took away all the records for Billboard Hot 100 with 19 weeks in the top spot. So it was only kind of fair, I think, that that song won. Yeah, that was a really good moment from the show. And I don't mean to finish this on a bad note, but I have to bring up one more little piece of drama that happened behind the scenes. And that was poor little Selena Gomez. I shouldn't say that. She's 27, but she's tiny. So she was opening the show. It was the first time that she'd done a live TV performance in over two years. She's had a lot of health battles, a lot of personal stuff that she talked about. This was meant to be her big comeback. Um, She got up to sing two of her new songs lose you to love me and look at her now and two different sources one from E! News and one from People Magazine who both had people backstage said that she had a full-blown panic attack just before she went on stage because she was so nervous at the pressure and the comeback and all that sort of stuff that she just had a breakdown. Yeah, I that honestly reading that it didn't really surprise me. She's just she's and all both of those songs are really raw and emotional songs. One's a bit more like upbeat and and happy and defiant, but it doesn't surprise me. I love her so much. The performances were really great, so she nailed it in the end. But yeah, sad I found to it hear hard, that. I found it hard to tell. And I think, you know, she speaks a lot about the fact that she has very high level anxiety and what could be more anxiety inducing than opening a show like that as your big comeback. So you couldn't tell when you're watching it on screen, but just hearing the story of what was on unfolding before she stepped on stage. Just heartbreaking. Hectic. What a time. Spice Girl Melanie B's divorce from her ex Stephen Belafonte was very messy and dominated headlines with accusations of physical and sexual abuse. But the bitter war may have been reignited this week with Mel requesting to move their daughter from California, where they all live, to her home back in Leeds in England. Yeah, so all the court documents now have been made public um, thanks to a lot of different outlets like The Blast and Page Six, which have leaked them. So in them, we see that um, Melby has said, as the court is well aware, my marriage to Stephen was unhealthy. I was subjected to years of verbal and sexual abuse by him, which included the active isolation of my daughters and me, including Madison, which is the daughter they share together, from my home and family in the United Kingdom. Yes, and I remember when all of the stuff was going on and it was really, really bad. I know she has a couple of other daughters too, but the thing... I found really surprising about this story was, and I get it, obviously you live like a very um, affluent lifestyle and you, you know, you've done 12 seasons on America's Got Talent, which comes with a massive, massive budget and bonuses, I'm sure. But she says in the court documents, if she was forced to stay in the United States, she would be unable to maintain the standard of living to which Madison is accustomed. And the rent for her two bedroom apartment in Los Angeles is in excess of 88,000 US dollars. And on top of rent, she has to pay for monthly living expenses, bills and attorney fees and costs. For me, it's like maybe move somewhere a bit cheaper. 
Oh, I don't know if that's the crux of the issue. I mean, I think that what she's saying here is that there is no there's no work available for her in the United States. So it's not a point of downsizing. Like she has a skill that is in the entertainment industry. Completely. And if she can move to the UK and have that work there, especially if it's to get away from someone who she alleges has been abusing her. I think her being like, I've got to move for work. So many people make it work if they live in different places. Like surely does she have to uproot all of her kids so that then she's away from him. And, like, one of the other fathers also lives in the state, so that's also pushing that out. I just feel like travel back and forth, do your work. when They have more control over when they work, obviously, with different things. Like, they can request school holidays or they have a bit more flexibility with that. I would just think maybe try and make it work and maybe see if you can downsize to make it work a little bit more. Yeah, but I think when it gets to this stage with the the kids and the court and the abuse and the money and everything, it's kind of not for us to say like where their kids should be living or anything or, you know, what should be happening within their family dynamic. That's a whole separate thing. What I find here is more interesting is the fact that just like in the, just like in Australia when she was kind of, remember how there was that Sydney Morning Herald reported a while ago, many years ago now, that she had a contract with Channel 7 for one show and a contract with Channel 9 because she originally signed the X Factor. And it like went to the Supreme Court that she wasn't allowed to work for a different network and stuff. So they effectively blocked her from being able to work in Australia, where she was obviously making a lot of lucrative money. And I feel like she was very much the driving force behind the Spice Girls reunion too. And obviously a lot about that was about bringing the show back but I think it was also about making money because that was a guaranteed money maker for them and she was the one who said they would bring the tour to Australia because obviously she was hoping to do that to keep the money going and um, that obviously didn't happen and now the fact that her contract for America's Got Talent that's the show she's on yeah there's so many talent shows she's been on X Factor and just a bit the fact that that's exhausted for her now and she's only seeing you know I just think it's a sad state of affairs in terms of what your career can go from like being one of the top pop girl performers in the world to having to relocate your life to be able to make money and feed your family. But I think that's also the life of a performer. But also be better with your money and invest it. But we don't know what she spent her money on. She's got we kids do. and She's legal battles. We $88,000 a month rent. I'm sure you can cut that in half and you're gonna, your money's going to go further. Like, I think... I think that we can. I think you can say that. Like, if I lost my job tomorrow, I would have to move somewhere else to live because I can no longer afford that rent. I think the same is for her. If your money isn't coming in how it used to be, you've got to curb your spending habits and your rent. Yeah, but in the court document, she's not just saying that she wants to leave because she can't make money. Like, she doesn't have a work visa. She's not a US citizen, so she can't stay there unless she's not married to a US citizen anymore. And yes, her one of her daughters or two of them are, but she said that her, her work visa has run out, so she actually can't work and make money. And I don't think we want Mel B to live on the streets. And I can't believe we're arguing about her finances. But oh we do God, know. Oh my God, I'm not arguing. <laughs> I just think that, like, I just have a bit of issues with rich people being like, I'm not rich enough to fulfill my lifestyle. And it's like, well, we all make it work. So maybe you can. Thank you for listening to The Spill today. You can get in contact with us by emailing us at thespill at mamamia.com.au. Also, we love seeing what you get up to while you're watching this show. So why not snap a pic, pop it on your Insta story and tag us at Mamma Mia Entertainment. And while you're listening to the episode today, remember to subscribe. That way you'll never miss an episode. And if you have time, leave us a five-star review. The Spill is produced by Hannah Bowman. We'll see you on mamamia.com.au. Bye. Bye.